The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. The New Testament builds on the foundation of the old. Look at it as a solid foundation. Now you're building up. Everything that's in the Old Testament is relevant and important one way or another, even if it's just to learn from. Like 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 11, Paul talks about the judgments in the Old Testament. There are lessons and examples for us. The New Testament now builds on it. It brings the prophecies to fulfillment. It brings to fulfillment what the law and the prophets were pointing towards, uh, the sacrificial system, the priesthood temple, all of this comes to another level in Messiah. So, Every moral commandment of the Old Testament is repeated in the New Testament. Everything that is essential for us to live by is repeated in the New Testament. The New Covenant teachings, the moral requirements are all found in the pages of the New Testament, building on what was found in the pages of the Old Testament. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H I G H B E A M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Truth Barista, we've been talking about Jesus and the law so long, I just it seems like it just has consumed me. Every time I turn around, I'm thinking about, now, how would Jesus view that law? You know, and then more and more of these clients from Big Brain University come in here and, and they're all talking about, you know, Christianity and law. And I, and then I listen to you and I, I get straightened out. I understand. So today <laughs> I hope you'll straighten me out again because sometimes I get a little confused about Jesus and the law, but uh, you've been doing a good job on it. Okay. Well, we're going to play around with these same verses that we've been looking at. Okay. okay. That Matthew 17 through 20 verses here. And this is what it says. You and I are going to go back through these again and again, because this is pivotal to what Jesus is teaching. In fact, this whole Matthew chapter five through seven, Jesus is giving this big teaching about how to live. That's basically what it is. It's Mm -hmm. how to live, how he wants us to live. And it's, I mean, you get this beautiful Mount of uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, how people who live in God's kingdom should act like, what they should expect, all these wonderful things. We see later, Jesus is saying, and by doing this, you'll be salt. You'll be a preservative to your culture. You'll be light. You'll be showing God to the culture. And then he gets into this section, which is really tough. And this is one that a lot of Christians trip over and smash their face on the theological ground. Well, and I want to ask you, you know, kind of a question here. I think we've covered it in previous times we've talked about it, but I think it's worth talking about again. Did Jesus really invent all these things, or are these things that actually came out of the Torah, and he's just clarifying them, perhaps putting a little different spin, but it's not new material, is it? No, it's the same material done properly, if I could say that. It's the same material done properly. Let me take you on a brief couple minute kind of a rehash. Let's go for a trip. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve three laws. 
under a creation covenant. We know this because in Hosea, God says, and they broke my covenant, talking about Israel, as Adam did. So there was an original creation covenant. With every covenant, there are terms that protect the relationship. So God was saying to the couple, here are the three things I need you to follow. Number one, if you do it in chronological order, Genesis 2, God says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in that day you will die. In other words, what God is saying is, you are not allowed to make the commands yourself. You have to do and live your life my way, because when you do it your way, we're going to get separated. And since I'm the source of life, you're going to die. Number two, go back to Genesis 1.28. He says to the man and the woman, okay, you two, reproduce because you're going to be filling up Eden. Number three, you're going to rule. So it's basically, you can't do it yourself or your way. You need to reproduce and you need to rule the earth. Got it? Great. Well, they broke it. (laughs) (laughs) Why? They they chose to become autonomous, which means they're a law unto themselves. I got that. And it's not with the Jewish people at this point. This is for humanity. Everybody, right? All of humanity is wrapped up in two people. So it's binding applicable to all humanity. Okay, so you move to Noah. Noah goes through the whole ark thing, but what you miss is he gets off the ark and God says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And he gives him the exact same rules as before. Reproduce, fill the earth. Okay, there's those who reproduce and rule. And then he gives him a specific command. You can't eat blood. It's a, In other words, it's a reflection of now you're going to keep doing it my way because humanity failed. So humanity does. <laughs> Again, you get to the Tower of Babel and they failed. So God starts with a man named Abraham. He gives him a covenant. And in the covenant with Abraham, what's he says? You're going to reproduce. You're going to rule the land I'm going to give you, but you're going to do it my way. Hmm. And the Jewish people are birthed in seed form and they start rolling forward. Well, eventually Abraham's family turns into the nation of Israel. They get delivered from Egypt. They're standing at the base of Mount Sinai. And God says, okay, Israel, this is the deal. Number one, I'm going to help you reproduce. Number two, I'm going to give you a land of rule. And number three, here's the entire Torah, which is going to tell you how to do it my way. What's funny is, have you noticed that the Torah, God's laws go from one law the two laws, and they start expanding. I laugh when I see that. Have you ever heard of a lawyer label? No. What's a lawyer label? If you buy a device like a toaster, there's like three Mm -hmm. pages of don't do this and Mm -hmm. don't do that. Mm -hmm. Why are those lawyer laws in there? Because some idiot Mm -hmm. put a fork in a toaster and was electrocuted. (laughs) So you gotta say, you can't do that. Okay. So I look at Moses law, and it goes from one law in the Garden of Eden to 613 laws. Why? Because humanity is really good at inventing wrong things to do. Mm -hmm. So God has to say, okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Got to add more commands here. Uh, You can't do that. Mm. (laughs) You have to do this. Okay. So this is what I'm saying. At Mount Sinai, God gave them the Torah, which are his commands. And he gave them thou shalt nots, and this is the thou shalt. Well, in the new covenant, God says, okay, the problem is the heart issue. Mm -hmm. So in the new covenant, he changes the heart and he gives them the exact same Torah. He says, I'm going to now write my Torah on their hearts. Okay, so Jesus has come to start the new covenant, and we see it at his death. But this is early on in his ministry, Matthew chapter 5. The accusation against him is, Jesus, Rabbi, you're destroying 
the Torah. You're doing away with it. So we covered that. He said, don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. What Jesus is saying is, hey, guys, Pharisees and scribes, don't think, don't anybody think that I came to misinterpret or misapply the law, the Torah. I came to interpret it correctly and to apply it perfectly. Of course, Jesus would know how to interpret it and how to apply it. He is the author. Who best? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what was bothering them was that their traditions didn't automatically accept a little deviation because he wasn't changing it as much as he was refining it. Is that correct? That's correct. You see, with human imaginations, you can look for a law and you can try to find ways to skirt the law or you can come up with little side laws to help reinforce it. Well, the way Jesus was doing is he's going, no, 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 no. You don't need that law because it just adds too much to the law. Okay. So it's like you're driving down the road and the speed limit says 55. Well, they were saying, well, if you want to stay 55, then you must use the cruise control. Oh, and you must always look straight ahead. Oh, and you must make sure that your tires are in perfect condition. And Jesus is going, no, just drive the car 55. So what Jesus was doing was offering a corrective to the human created traditions that became so traditional, they became equal to the law. So Jesus is removing things that don't belong there, and he is actually adding things, interpretations, that really clarify the law. That's the point. So Jesus was giving the clarity that the Pharisees and scribes weren't giving. They were obscuring the core law. Jesus is clarifying it and sharpening it to make sure that it's understandable. Make sense? It really does, in my mind, automatically goes to what we do in the church today, because in some ways we're pharisaical, and we may not have it as clear as we possibly should, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes along, right, and helps us to clarify what we have sort of added to or we're not practicing accordingly. Well, and that's what Jesus said in John 14. He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. What's he going to do? He's going to remind you of everything I said, his teachings. And then he says, and he will lead you into all truth. In other words, he's going to take what Jesus says, and he's going to help us understand it in truth and apply it truthfully. The Holy Spirit is, again, and you love this, he is our resident rabbi. I love we it. Get I love Jesus it. to go with us everywhere right, saying, uh, right. uh, that's not the Torah thing to do. Uh, that is the Torah thing to do. That's great. I love that. I, like I said the other time when we had this conversation, you're the only person I know that calls Jesus the resident rabbi. I just love if it. I, can I play with this for a second? Because well, it happened to me the other day. Sure. When I walk through a parking lot, like at Walmart or at a local grocery store, every once in a while, I'll see a cart sitting out there or a can that's been crushed. And right away, I get this little nudge inside going, you know, it would be the Torah thing to do to take that cart into the, you know, and to help the people, or it would be the Torah thing to do to pick up that can't because somebody just might step on it and break their leg. And it's funny, as I go through life, I get these little taps going, you know, you should do this because it would be a blessing to somebody else, a very loving thing to do, or you shouldn't do that because that's not a very loving thing to do. That is the living Torah being exercised by the resident rabbi. If we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will guide our lives along that way. Oh, that's great. You know how he's been guiding us right now, though? Truth does, it, does it have something to do with a cup of coffee? 
Well, you know, sometimes I just get nudged and say, hey, you know, you probably need a fresh cup of coffee. I got my empty cup right here, sir. Uh, But I have some more. Well, we'll be right back. Let's go. That sweet aroma. I'm bold and beautiful. I can hardly wait to taste. Early morning. Something wonderful. Is about to make my day. The Truth Barista Podcast, set in the imaginary Erzatz coffee shop next to Big Brain University, the Truth Barista Podcast tackles a plethora of scintillating topics. We don't shy away from controversy, whether it's current cultural issues, questions about Bible verses, or even just some banter to encourage you. Jade the Truth Barista and Amazing Larry brew up highly caffeinated talk times. We are two wild and crazy guys. Grab a cup of joe. Plop yourself down in the booth next to us and get ready to think. The Truth Barista Podcast, a production of High Beam Ministry, highbeamministry.com. All right, wow, Truth Barista, I love the resident rabbi idea, and uh, we'll have to, you'll have to write a book on that sometime. But anyway, we're talking about Jesus and the law, specifically in Matthew five seventeen and on. So where are we going from here? Okay, we're going to hit very quickly verse 18, the very second verse. So okay. Jesus says, For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. Okay, a lot of words. Let's break it down. For I assure you, that in, you know, sometimes in other translations, it's verily, verily, or truthfully, truthfully, or I tell you the truth. Okay. Amen means truth. In the Greek translation, amen is often used as if Jesus were putting emphasis on the next thing being said. Do you catch that? Yes. Okay. So he mm-hmm. said, I came to interpret it properly and apply it properly. So therefore, in truth, dot, da, da. da. No, no, no. In Hebrew thinking, because he's speaking Hebrew, amen puts the emphasis on the thing he previously said. Okay, so here's a little quote that I've got in my Bible at this point. It's from David Stern's Jewish New Testament commentary. He says this, amen is always used in reference to something previously said. Jesus, amen to himself, emphasizes his own previous point, sometimes with force. So what Jesus is saying at this point in Matthew, you may not think that I really meant what I just said about messing with the Torah, but I do. He strongly affirmed what he said about his mission. He's saying this, don't even think that I came to misinterpret the Torah or misapply it. I came to show you precisely what it means. Amen. Wow. I mean, that would have made those Pharisees pretty mad. Exactly. Because he's saying, hey, you're not doing it right, but this is the way. I mean, he's, you know, poked them in the eye there. 
this is what got people so angry and brought so much admiration because Jesus would teach and the people are going, wow, he's teaching with authority. Well, not like the Pharisees and scribes over here. (laughs) You know, it's like, wow, you know, to think that you're the authority on the Bible. And then all of a sudden this rabbi comes along and starts teaching with greater authority than you. And you're just kind of standing there with your mouth open. Yeah, of course. You know, they took exception to him. So Jesus goes on here. He declares exactly how important the Torah is. Okay. Now, here's something that a lot of Christians don't know. The Jewish sages and the rabbis believe that the Torah is eternal. They believed, and by the way, they still do, that as long as the world lasts, the Torah will last. Jesus is in complete agreement with them when they write this. And this comes from a Jewish source. And this is a very old Jewish source, about 1700 years old. Everything has an end. Heaven and earth have an end, except for the one thing which has no end. And what is that? The law. The rabbis also say that the Torah not only exists into eternity, but existed from eternity. In other words, the Torah existed before anything was created. Isn't that interesting? Well, it is because we're always taught that the Torah is no longer in existence and what you're saying, it, it was in existence before we were created, and it'll be here long afterwards in eternity because it's eternal. See, Truth Priesta, I always thought there was only one thing that was eternal. Well, actually, two things that are eternal. That is God, and his creation is eternal. Now you're saying that there's a third eternal piece of that or element of that, and that is God's Word or Torah. Uh-huh. So we're talking God's word is eternal, right? Well, we are. Mm-hmm. Was present before creation. Right. John mm. chapter 1, in the beginning was the Torah, and the Torah was with God, and the Torah was God. See, now you get a Hebrew understanding because John has taken this idea of God's word from the Hebrew and he's moved it into the Greek idea of an eternally present word spoken by God. So this is, I mean, this is mind-blowing. If Jesus is the walking word of God, he is the eternal Torah. In fact, the rabbis teach when God created the world, he looked into the Torah saw exactly what he wanted to do, and then through the Torah, he created the heavens and the earth. So when the New Testament wasn't written, when Jesus was on earth, I mean, will the New Testament also be included in that definition, even though it wasn't in existence? Well, since the New Testament is inspired by God, yes, it is a part of his word. Let's get back to this really basic thing. God's word expresses who he is, and what his will is, the standard of right being and the standard of right doing. If Jesus lived it perfectly, which he could because he was God, that makes him the walking embodiment of the word. Of course, he can define the Torah exactly as it is because he's the walking Torah of God. He is God in full being in a human shell, and he always followed his father's will. Ta-da, qualifies as the walking word, the walking Torah of God. Since he's God, he's eternal, and God created, his Father created through him heavens and earth. It says in Colossians, through him, Jesus, all things were made. All things exist because of him and toward it for his glory. 
that just opens my eyes substantially because it talks about how he didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets because they're eternal. For Jesus to nullify the Torah, Jesus would have to nullify himself and nullify his father's being and his father's will. There is no way he's doing that. Mm. And Christians have to get this idea because sadly, because of ignorance, they get this faulty position and they lose so much of what God wants them to do because doing God's will pleases him. If you're doing away with God's commands, then you're doing away with a means of pleasing him. Okay. So let's move forward. Okay. On this one, Jesus says, for I assure you, amen. That's the, that's the affirmation that there's no way he's doing away with it. He's going to do it right. He says until heaven and earth pass away. What he's saying here is he's telling them how valid the Torah is by saying that will, it will outlast heaven and earth. That's what you and I just talked about. He says that the Torah still applies today because heaven and earth still exist. So let's talk about this. I'm going to back up. Why do we need covenants? A covenant protects one partner from another's betrayal. Understand? I I do. It's different than a contract, though, correct? Right. A contract is more impersonal and it's more legal, et cetera. Well, covenants are still legal, but a covenant is to protect a relationship like a personal relationship, a a covenant can protect a business relationship. So a contract is like a covenant, but a covenant is deeper. A covenant seals an agreement to work together. And as you'll notice throughout scripture, covenants need witnesses because if one partner violates the covenant, the violated partner can go to the witnesses and say, did not he or she say they would remain faithful? And the witnesses say, yes, we were there. And they become witnesses in the court if judgment needs to be given, right? Okay, that's why we need witnesses at weddings. The best man, the maid of honor, two witnesses. God says in his word, by the testimony of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be established. Okay, so at Mount Sinai, when God made the covenant with the Israelites, Moses says in Deuteronomy 31, 28, gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. What is Jesus saying? Until heaven and earth pass away. In other words, the Torah is going to remain in effect because it needs heaven and earth to witness against the people who are lawbreakers. In other words, if the witnesses are eternal, or as long as the witnesses are there, then the covenant, the contract is still in effect. Mm. Okay, let me put it this way. So what would happen if the world ever got to the point where it was impossible to break God's laws? There was no people that could ever sin. You wouldn't need a covenant. And if you don't need the covenant, you don't need the witnesses. Isn't it fascinating that when you get to the point where the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, death, and hell are finally disposed of in the lake of fire, there immediately follows what? A new heaven and a new earth. The witnesses are dismissed because it is no longer possible to break the covenant. There is no need for a covenant because we will never violate God and betray him by breaking his word. Now, Jesus goes on to say this, until heaven and earth pass away, and here's the point, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass. Okay, he's talking about the Hebrew language. Now, 
the smallest letter of the Hebrew language is what's called the Yod, or some people call it the Yud, because it looks like a little apostrophe. And then there's a thing called a Kotz. And a Kotz is a tiny decorative spur that's sometimes added to the Yod. It's like an ornamentation, right? It's like calligraphy has little things attached. Okay. He's saying not the smallest letter and not even the tiniest little ornamentation is going to be removed from the Torah until it's no longer possible to sin. Okay. How important are these little ornamentations? Okay. In your mind, think of a, oh, let's say a 90 degree. Okay. Do a, a vertical line and then do a horizontal line connect at the corner. Okay. That, and it's pointing toward the left. Okay. You have the Hebrew letter resh, the R. If you're to take that vertical line and slide it over to the right, just a little bit, you've got this tiny little uh, thing hanging out on the side. Now you have the Hebrew letter D. That little line there that's hanging over is called a Coats, okay? The difference between the D, which has the hangover line, and the R is that tiny little stroke. But this is the difference it makes. When you use the word Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, which is Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, that's Adonai Echad, one. But if you substitute, if you get rid of that little ornamentation, you have an R and it reads Adonai Achar. It means the Lord is another God. Oh, boy, that's a big change. It is. So the first one said means God is the only God. The second one says God is one of many. And all it is is a little ornamentation. You're not even changing a letter. You're changing an ornamentation, a tiny little. Jesus is saying, I am not even going to change the ornamentation on the letters because it will destroy God's word. So here's the meaning of the exaggeration. Okay. In Hebrew, it's lo yod velo kotso shel yod. Not a yod, not a kotz of a yod. That was a well-known expression. In other words, what it means is, I'm not even going to change the most insignificant, not the most insignificant thing is going to depart from God's word until this all wraps up. In other words, what Jesus is saying, heaven and earth would sooner disappear than even a letter or an ornamentation would disappear. In other words, he's saying in a clear way, the Torah was given by God to Moses and that would never cease to exist. Okay. And one final thing. Okay. What about the until all things are fulfilled? According to Tim Haig, he says, until everything small or great in every aspect of the Torah stands and finds its completion, until then, nothing will be lost or aborted. There are things in the Torah and the prophets that haven't been fulfilled yet. They will all be fulfilled. They have to be. If God gives his word, he'll fulfill his word, won't he? That's what he promised. Okay, so if we're waiting for the fulfillment, once it's been fulfilled... Isn't it interesting, at the end of the book, you get a new heaven and new earth? Yeah. So people say, well, all things are fulfilled meant when Jesus was crucified, to which I would ask, did we get a new heaven and new earth after Jesus was crucified? No. Did we get a new heaven and new earth after we, he was resurrected? No. Did we get a new heaven and new earth when Jesus went to sit at his father's right hand? No. Are we going to get one when Jesus returns? No. <laughs> It's going to continue all the way through the book of Revelation until Satan, the Antichrist, sin, death, hell, and the grave are all destroyed. Then we get a new heaven and a new earth. That's when all things are fulfilled. 
Truth Barista, we have to come to a conclusion today. So if you're going to summarize in a very succinct way what you've said today, how would you put it? I love the way Roy Blizzard puts it. He's with the Jerusalem School of Synoptic Gospel Research, and he's really dug into this, right? This is how he would paraphrase verses 17 to 18. He would say, Never imagine for a moment, Jesus says, that I intend to do away with the law or the prophets by misinterpreting them. My intent is not to weaken or negate the Torah, but by properly interpreting God's written word, I aim to establish it or strengthen it, that is, make it even more lasting. I would never invalidate the law by effectively removing something from it by misinterpreting it. Heaven and earth would sooner disappear than something from the Torah. Hello, I am Maurice. I am the host here at the Erzatz Coffee Shop. I greet you, and I seat you, and I treat you to an excellent cup, a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can find us at truthbarista.com or highbeamministry.com. That's high beams, as in car high beams. Highbeamministry.com. The first step in anything is knowing the truth. Knowing the truth about God is what we do in every podcast here on The Truth Barista. The next step is yours and what you do about it. We are The Truth Barista, a production of highbeamministry.com. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening.